It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Catherine LeBlanc of Dragonfly's Quilting Design Studio has been busy bringing quilters and quilt designers together. So often we are busy building our own businesses that we forget we're in this all together. Catherine has created a special Block of the Month program where different designers create blocks in a theme so that quilters get an opportunity to be introduced to many designers. Although it's called a Block of the Month, I think the blocks are coming out weekly. We chat about her current block of the month called U.S. Tour. Since we recorded, I learned she is also working with designers on a new block of the month that should be out later in 2021. I was also excited to realize that four of the designers in these projects have already been interviewed on A Quilter's Life. Carolyn Moore of Always Expect More, Ashley Montgomery of Quilt to End ALZ, Tammy Silver of Tamarini's, and Carolyn Burgess of Applique's Quilts and More. And a special thank you to Carolyn as she connected me to Catherine. Catherine, thanks for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Thanks for having me. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised and basically have lived in Massachusetts my whole life. Did you go to college there in Massachusetts also? I went to trade school. I went to trade school, believe it or not, to be a carpenter. (laughs) Well, that fits in. It's kind of another puzzle type craft. Sure. Did you have other employment besides your quilting design shop? Yes, I actually worked for a local corporate office for a pharmaceutical company. I was a supervisor of the accounts payable department before I decided to leave that job and open the quilt shop. Neat. How did you get that job? I was unemployed for about a year and a half or so, and I took a temp job with that company, and they hired me pretty quickly. And then I quickly became the supervisor of the department, and I was doing pretty well. Nice salary, nice bonuses every year. Mm -hmm. Um, I gave that all up. I gave up corporate day job to open the quilt store. Neat. It's kind of fun being your own boss. Some days. It definitely <laughs> has its challenges and it does have its rewards as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you never left the state, but do you live in the same town? I just live in the next town over, yeah. So my whole family, we go back about six or seven generations in the same town. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's neat. I, enjoy genealogy. So I've done a lot of research in terms of, you know, how my family came to the town and how they were involved in in creating the town and growing the town. Wow. That's fun. I married into that. I don't have that on my side, but 
my husband's family settled in Marietta, Ohio. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Well, I kind of started quilting and never really looked back. Although when I was young, my mom did do a lot of crafts with my sister and I. We did all sorts of things. We did basket weaving and crocheting and all that stuff too. So she was pretty active in teaching us different crafts. And I really didn't do anything with the crafts until I became much older. And then that's when I started quilting. And I just honestly... I got addicted to quilting and never looked back. (laughs) Was that when you were in school or after school? It was when I was about, I would say my early 30s, about 10 years ago. So after school, I was already involved in my career and stuff like that. Okay. Do you do any other hobbies? Like I said, genealogy is big on my list of to-dos. Again, it's one of those addictive habits like quilting that you kind of get started on it and it takes you down a path. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I create a lot of content for my social media accounts. I call them brain games. And I do that to help quilters keep their minds sharp. I figure if you're going to be on social media, you might as well be staying sharp at the same time while you're at it. So each day of the week, I release a different graphic game. It's static graphics for social media, but, you know, something for quilters to interact with. So I consider that one of my hobbies is creating these little games for people to play on social media. How fun. Have people engaged in that a lot? Yeah, I think I have a pretty strong following and people will guess the answers to the different games and things like that. And they'll tell me how much they like it or hate it or how hard it is, or if it's too easy. So it's fun. Neat. And who introduced you to quilting? I really didn't have anybody in my life that quilted. I mean, my mom sewed when we were young. She sewed our dresses and things like that, little summer dresses and big events and things like that that we went to. She would sew us dresses. But that was one of the things that she maybe didn't really teach me. So when I came to sewing slash quilting, it was just something that I sort of picked up one day and I said, I'd like to make a couple pillowcases. And I started making pillowcases, which I think was where a lot of quilters sometimes start with, you know, the old burrito tube pillowcase with the French seams. And then it was on to my first quilt and the rest was history. Mm -hmm. Do you still have that first quilt? I do. I do. It was actually on my bed for about 10 years. So I think I did the same thing that a lot of new quilters who don't really know what they're doing or haven't had any kind of formal training. I made this king size quilt, which is often sometimes what we do. We get into these projects that are too big for us. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really quilt it. I didn't really understand that you need to keep all those three layers together very well before you start washing these things. Oh, no. So the first, yeah, the first time we washed it, all the batting shifted and broke apart and got all jumbled up in areas and things like that because we didn't really quilt it. So it was about eight years and I finally took it apart and I quilted it on the long arm and rebound it and everything with some new backing and I still have it. It's in good shape. So. Wow. 
Tell me about your favorite quilt. I think my favorite quilt is a quilt that I designed and made. I call it the wedding quilt. Just about to release a pattern for it probably in the next few months. But I gave it to my sister and her husband for their wedding. And I think it's my favorite because of the look on their faces when they opened it and saw the quilt. And I have pictures of it, which is really funny too. Just the shock and awe and appreciation that they got from it. It was it was sort of like a memory quilt where I had the folks at her wedding sign blocks and things like that. And then I put it all together. And I think that's my favorite just because of their reaction. Isn't it fun to see people open that gift? Yeah, it is. It is. Tell me about your favorite tool. I think, honestly, I think my favorite tool is my rotary cutter and my cuts glove, (laughs) my cutting glove. (laughs) Uh, The rotary cutter only because I enjoy the cutting process almost the most. I think besides quilting, I think cutting is probably my favorite just because it's repetitive and Sometimes it can be fairly mindless if you don't have to think about the math. I've definitely sliced my finger a few times, so my cutting glove is definitely one of my favorite tools. Oh, did you ever have to go to the hospital for... I did, I did. I had to go to the hospital, but no severe cut-off fingers or anything like that. No stitches, just, you know, you got to go and make sure everything's okay and get that tetanus shot and all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. That's one of the things that I always preach to new quilters is you got to learn to wear that glove. I've never done that, but I haven't been quilting all that long. So I'm thinking, is this a, I haven't done it yet, or can I, can I just not do it? (laughs) I think everybody thinks that it won't happen to them. It's kind of like sewing your finger. I think it's like maybe a rite of passage. So you said cutting was your favorite part? Yeah, cutting and quilting are both my favorite parts of the process. I'm not a huge fan of putting the tops together. I don't mind piecing blocks, but when it comes to putting the big tops together, that's kind of where I falter. Hmm. (laughs) Strange, I know. Yeah. So what is it about the quilting process that you really like? Oh, I love quilting. I learned to free motion quilt on my domestic and I taught that a lot in the shop. Then I got a long arm and then, you know, once you get a long arm, you kind of never go back. I just enjoy it. I enjoy being able to just play with what's in my mind and put that onto the quilt. Hmm. Tell me about your worst quilting experience. When I had just started quilting, uh, I think I was maybe not even a year in and I was into my second or third class at the local quilt shop. I was fortunate that I had one in my town and I was in a class and I was rushing and struggling to keep up for the rest of the class. And the teacher came to me and said to me, you know, you really need to learn how to sew an accurate quarter inch seam because my blocks weren't coming out the right size. And she said, you know, once you learn that quarter inch seam, then your blocks will come out the right size. But then she never actually told me what I needed to do to learn the quarter inch seam. So it carried that with me for a long time. And I never really did know 
what all that meant until, believe it or not, until I opened the store and I was sewing with a friend of mine. And she said, well, you need to account for the thread and the fold. And I said, oh, well, that makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> so once I understood what that was, I was able to piece perfect blocks from there on out. You know, I was good, but I still struggled a little bit with that quarter inch seam. And I wish that she had told me what that was so that I didn't have to struggle for quite so long. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I preach to beginner quilters. I enjoy teaching beginner quilters and I always preach that you've got to practice learning your quarter and see <laughs> and I teach them how to do it so they have no excuse not to know. <laughs> Why do you make quilts? I don't know. I think at this point it's an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> I've basically made quilts for every single person I've ever known. And now I make them for myself. So why do I make quilts today? Today I make them for myself. I'm all about making actually bed size quilts at this point, because I always had to make samples for the shop. And a lot of times they're smaller or they're quick and you just kind of throw the top together. So right now I'm kind of in a phase where I'm working on a few for myself that are bed size that I can hold on to for ever. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so you've made a lot of samples for the shop too. Yeah. It was never ending. Never <laughs> ending. What are you working on right now? I'm actually working on two. They're called 365 quilts. They're by Catherine Kerr. I believe she's out of Australia and every day for 365 days, you make a block and they get progressively harder and harder and harder as you go. And so I'm actually in the process of making two of them, one for myself and one for my sister. And those will be like our heirloom quilts. I'm only about four or five months in. So, and Catherine Kerr, she does this program over and over again every year. So you can kind of jump in and out depending on how your life is. You know, if life gets busy and you don't have a lot of time, you can jump in and jump back out again. And because it's constantly revolving each year, you just pick up where you left off the next year or what have you. Hmm. That's what I'm working on right now. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of technique. You really have to take your time and pay attention to what you're doing and learning a lot of piecing that you know, a lot of times we try to stay away from piecing that has like an eighth inch or a three sixteenths or something like that. And a lot of these blocks have those kind of measurements. So it's definitely building my skills in terms of measuring and cutting and sewing accurately, which is really cool. Wow. Does she have videos that go along with that? No, there's no videos, but they have a pretty strong Facebook presence and the platform she's on right now, you're able to go in and kind of ask questions and get answers and things like that. So, Okay. Share a quilting tip. I think I would have to go with learn your quarter inch seam like I talked about. <laughs> I wondered if that was it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think part of what people don't realize is they maybe get a quarter inch foot or they mark off the quarter inch on the bed of their machine and then they sew and you put a ruler up to that and it measures a quarter inch, but really it needs to be a scant quarter of an inch. Like I said, you have to account for the thread and also the fold when you fold that seam open. And I think also the reason why I say practice it often and practice it regularly is because 
you're always using different kinds of fabric and you're always using different kinds of thread. So if you use a really thin, say, polyester thread on some really thin, let's say, batik, your quarter inch seam is going to be slightly different than it would be if you're working with a nice cotton that has been processed a lot. And so it's got like a nice thick texture to it. And then you're using cotton thread, let's say, that's going to be totally different than if you were using a polyester thread with a really thin fatigue. Your seam allowance is going to be different, so you might have to adjust slightly. So I think that it's really important to understand the materials that you're working with and that every quarter inch seam isn't the same. You know, they're not all created equal. It's nice to be able to practice that and know when you need to adjust it and things like that. And it really makes a difference in your piecing. Hmm. Now describe how you went from having quilting as a hobby to having it as a business. I was working my corporate office job and I was working up to supervisors. So I was working at home a lot and I was working a lot of hours. I was salaried and I just decided one day that I wanted more out of life, let's say. I wanted to enjoy my life a little (laughs) bit more. And so I thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to quit my job and I'm going to open a store. (laughs) And everybody thought I was bananas, but I didn't have a loan. I didn't have any capital. I didn't have any money. I literally gave my three weeks notice and (laughs) went and found a retail space to rent. And the landlord actually ended up giving me a really great discount. And, you know, he waived like the deposit and it was just all these kind of fell into place. And I just quit and never looked back. (laughs) It's really weird. (laughs) Not very many people do it that way. Most people do it the right way. They build up to it. (laughs) (laughs) So how long did it take for you to get the word out that you were open? Uh, I mean, I had a pretty good turnout day one. I had a local shop that was in the next town over that allowed me to promote within their events and within their customer base. So that was really nice. And they were very helpful. They helped me along the way quite a bit. So it didn't take too much to get the word out because I was able to utilize that. And I was in different groups and I was involved in some quilting communities and things like that at the different shops that I had been going to and taking classes at and things like that. So it was pretty easy to get the word out. I was really petrified when I opened the store because I came from a corporate office where, you know, it's cubicle situation, open air cubicle, and there's 3000 people on the same floor where you work. And then I was going into this small little 900 square foot space just by myself, not knowing if customers are actually going to come or not. Uh, So it's quite scary, (laughs) but it didn't take very long. And I learned to enjoy the quiet time quite a bit. After all, that's what I was looking for. You know, I was looking for some more peace and enjoyment out of life. So having that quiet time, I was able to sew more than I had been and things like that. So it actually turned out really well at the beginning. Yeah, I started with just a little small square 900 foot space and we bought some furniture off of our local Craigslist, you know, some fun furniture to put inside to display the materials and things like that. It was interesting. I'm picturing that in my mind. Yeah, it was kind of cute. Yeah. So tell me the name of your business and how you came up with your name. 
The name of the quilt shop was originally Dragonfly's Quilt Shop. That was the name of the retail space we had. And then when I closed the retail space just about two years ago, I renamed the business to Dragonfly's Quilting Design Studio because I wanted to focus more on pattern design. Believe it or not, if you're an actual quilt shop, it's a little bit harder to get into the fabric manufacturers and design patterns for them if you're more of a retail establishment versus a designer. So Hmm. I made that change pretty quickly when I closed the shop. And the reason why I named it Dragonflies is because my partner and I were sitting hashing out names, what kind of creative, fun, quilty, sewing names can we come up with? And we really just were striking out. And finally, I just decided, you know what, let's name it Dragonflies as an ode to my dad who had passed away a few years previous. He really loved dragonflies. And I just thought, you know what, this will be fun. He's probably up there getting a kick out of what I'm doing. And it's a little ode to him. And it worked out well. It gave me a theme. It gave me something to be specific about in terms of my purchasing and things like that. I was able to kind of cater to having lots of dragonflies. And dragonflies are really prevalent in a lot of people's lives. So it was neat to have people come in and tell me about the stories that they had. Dragonfly generally symbolizes someone who passed away. So they would come in and tell me about their friends and family and how the dragonfly came to say hi to them one day. And they recognized that as being one of their family members or something like that. And so I heard a lot of these stories throughout the years. It really worked out really well that we ended up naming it that because it brought an additional layer to the business and the store that I hadn't expected. How neat to make a personal connection with others. Yeah. I had no idea at the time that that was going to happen. It just kind of worked out that way. Blessing in disguise, I guess. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how did you feel the first time you saw a design that you had created made by someone else? <laughs> Honestly, uh, I think that, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I think I maybe felt like, amazed that someone would want to replicate something that I had designed. So I think amazed would be a good way to describe that. Mm -hmm. It always amazes me when somebody makes a quilt that I've made and yeah, just amazed that people are willing to invest their time to make something that I've created. It seems like a lot of fun. I try to create designs and patterns that are fun, try to create designs that can be easy, that you can move through them fairly quickly. You get that kind of instant gratification of being able to complete something. I think we were looking for that a lot of times in the quilting that we do. There's a time to do really hard stuff and there's a time when you just want to sew and get things done. So I try to make patterns where you can just sew and get stuff done. So it's kind of like a nice little pat on the back when I see somebody's actually followed through and finished the quilt top. That's what it was designed for. It was designed for them to be able to finish. And so I get a lot of gratitude out of that. And how long have you been in business again? This is my seventh year. I did five years with the store open and this is my second year being without the store. So right now I am 100% retail sales on social media and the internet. 
And where can people find your business? I am at www.dragonfliesquiltshop.com. I also have another site that is www.blockofthemo, so standing for block of the month. That's blockofthemo.com. And then we also have a site that is www.designersquiltshow.com. And that one stemmed from when the pandemic hit and we were not allowed to go out to our quilt shows anymore. I got together with some designers and I developed a website where we were able to do a virtual quilt show, so to speak. So that came from that. And then also on social media, I'm on Facebook. I have a bunch of different Facebook pages and groups and we do book clubs and we have an overstock group where we do some clearance sales and Instagram. I'm at Dragonflies Quilting Design Studio on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on (laughs) Pinterest, although I'm not as prevalent on Pinterest and Twitter, but you can pretty much find me just about anywhere. Great. Now the Quilting Around the Block collaboration with your other designer friends. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. I was excited to see that at least four of the other designers have already been interviewed. That's great. That's really great. I think we kind of run in a little bit of a circle together. We all belong to a pattern designers group on Facebook. And so we collaborate often in a lot of different activities. And so the quilting around the block collaboration, we're calling it the U.S. tour. Each week, a new designer will release a block for the customer. It's complimentary. A lot of times we'll ask for an email sign up or want you to engage with us in some way. And the block is complimentary. And we have a Facebook group as well that's called Quilting Around the Block. At the end, we'll have more than 52 designs. We'll probably have 54 or 55, something like that. And the customer is welcome to pop in at any time and start working on some of those blocks interact with the designers, you know, learn their style. So it's really great for customers to be able to find their tribe with different designers. And you may not vibe with every designer, but you might find a couple of designers throughout the process that you just decide, hey, these are my peeps. And, you know, (laughs) I'm going to stick with these filters for maybe for life, who knows, or at least get to know them. And I think it's just really great to experience all the quilting industry has to offer than just what's in our immediate little kind of bubble. Yeah. So it's nice. I've also been learning the different designers and what they also offer as well. And I've hooked into a few communities that I will be a lifer for too. So for the designers as well, you know, not only just to connect with customers, but other professionals in our industry has been really great. That is so neat that you're giving people the opportunity to find everybody. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So going into this culture of the pattern designer world and finding that they accept one another so well, and then it's how can we work together and all succeed has been really fantastic. It's just absolutely been phenomenal. That's great. Well, thank you, Catherine. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh huh. Bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.